This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning called Toolkit for Life. And then we're going to take a brief pause on that series as we have Dr. Bob Utley with us here next week, one of my heroes and one of my absolute most favorite speakers. And I, I'm excited just to meet him. I, I'm, I'm really excited just to have him up and get to pick his brain and talk to him. It's going to be such a fantastic time. This guy's been preaching the Bible for a long time, and, and I have never heard anyone out of all the ministers I've listened to that articulates the gospel quite as well as Bob Utley and makes you just go, wow, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I mean, just blows you away. And uh, so don't forget that there is a study guide along with that. It's five bucks. If you want to get one for your family, you can sign up for that over at Guest <laughs> Services. Man, we got a lot of things going on. <laughs> but uh, it's great, amen? <laughs> Lots of great things. We had a great time at Forge yesterday morning. That, that's our men's ministry, and the women had an awesome time. Friday night, um, they had over 50 ladies show up and just going strong. It's fantastic. So proud of that uh, and what God is going to do in those ministries. So many great things going on. But let's uh, get ready to go into the Word of God this morning. My message is entitled, Hammer Out Fear. We're going to talk about different ways that the tools that God has given us uh, and being aware of those tools to walk out this life. But more importantly, a tool is not really that useful unless I understand how to use it, right? So we're going to talk not only about the tools that we have, but we're going to talk about how to use them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray you would anoint me to speak it with clarity, with authority, Father, and I pray that you would help those that are listening to understand it and to be able to apply it in their lives. Thank you that every heart in here is good ground today, Father, as we've just been worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And I pray, Father, that this word will not return void, but it will do what it's set out to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you're no longer a captive. A lot of us are captive to fear. A lot of us think that fear is just a way of life. It's the way that we have to live afraid. We're intimidated by our boss. We're afraid of the bills that are coming in and how there's more month than there is money. And then we get worried about what are we going to do. We get worried about sicknesses. All the what-ifs, we get worried about the end times. We get worried about things that are happening in the political climate and in our world. And the enemy would love to paralyze us with fear because that's what fear does. It paralyzes you. And it makes you stop moving forward. And the enemy has been using the tactic of fear from the beginning. And it is a spirit that the enemy uses. And God wants us to understand exactly who we are. And exactly what he wants us to do and what he has already won in by by, by winning the victory on the cross. So let's look at the Bible this morning and see what the Bible has to say about hammering out fear this morning. In 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul here writing to a young minister by the name of Timothy. And Timothy has the same intimidation factor that a lot of young guys have in life and especially in ministry. Timothy is a young leader and he's leading people much older than him. I can understand Timothy very well because I was brought into ministry at 18 years old, hired at a church as a youth pastor, and I was in the church ministering and leading people that were younger than me and older than me and dealt with a lot of criticism because of my age. And I've always been young. One day I'm going to be able to say I'm not a young minister anymore. There, that, that's going to happen one day. 
But I've been, I've been preaching the Word of God and been in a pastoral role for 15 years now. But through that 15 years, I can very much level with Timothy and understand the intimidation from other people and understand the fact that there are people who are older than you that you're actually sowing into their lives and you're ministering into their lives. But a lot of times, people will just look at your age and they won't look much further than that. And people will only go surface level with you. And they won't hear you or respect you because of your age. Well, Paul told Timothy, don't let men despise your youth. I used to always say it like this when I was a youth pastor to the teenagers that I would preach to. I'd say, don't let people despise your youth. You can do something for God. Just because you're young doesn't mean that you are ineffective for God or God has forgot about you or God doesn't care about you. No, don't let people despise your youth. But then I would add, don't give them a reason to. In other words, we need to grow up and we need to begin to act the age that we are and do the things God has called us to do and not squander away our life in immaturity. Amen? And so I would teach that and to help people to understand, hey, just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't be used of God, but we need to grow and to become the men and women God has called us to be. So this is kind of the same message that Paul was giving to young Timothy, but Timothy's still dealing with this fear. Timothy is still feeling the pressure from these elders in his church or feeling the pressure from some of these people who may have been around longer than him. They're going, yeah, Paul, I don't know if Paul made a good decision here by putting this young guy in leadership. And here's Timothy trying to lead confidently, and Paul's wanting to encourage him and correct him and give him some direction. And here's what Paul says in 2, Corinthians, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God, who I serve with a clear conscience, as my forefathers did, as I've been, without ceasing, remembering you in my prayers night and day. I've been greatly desiring to see you. I've been mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance. The genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you also. Therefore, Timothy, I'm reminding you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Here Paul leads off and he's trying to encourage Timothy. Say, there's faith in you. I know it's there. I remember it in your grandmother and in your mother. And I'm persuaded it's in you too. Now, Timothy, you remember when I laid my hands on you and I anointed you to be in the ministry and I, I ordained you and said, you are going to be in this position of leadership. You remember, now you need to stir up that gift of God on the inside of you. It's your responsibility now. Nobody's going to do it for you. You need to take charge and step forward because God has not given you a spirit of fear. But what he has given you is power, love, and a sound mind. So in other words, he's saying, fear's not from God. Fear is not from God. Amen, somebody? Fear is not from God. And God has given us tools to be able to hammer out fear. Now, you can use a hammer for a lot of things. You can secure things with a hammer. You can construct things with a hammer. But this kind of hammer is not really for that kind of work. This is my favorite kind of hammer right here. If you want someone to help you with finishing work in your construction project, I'm not your guy. If you want someone to help you build something, if you don't mind it looking funny, I'll help. But if you want it to look a certain way, don't ask me. But however, I'm an expert at one thing. If you want something straight tore up, you give me a call, I'll be there with my sledgehammer ready to knock something down. I'm an expert knocker-downer, okay? 
I'm an expert terror upper, all right? I'll do that all day long, and it is a blast. It is like all of the pressures and all the things of life that somehow there's this wonderful release that happens when you get the engagement of the motion and the hammer connects with its target. It's just ah, such a release. And I wanted this kind of hammer here today to show you as we look at our first tool in our toolkit for life because I want you to understand how to use this hammer that God has given us to be able to destroy the things in our life that would try to paralyze us. The things that would try to intimidate us. The things that you were rolling around in your bed last night with knots in your stomach over. God does not want you to live in fear. He does not want your life to be dominated by fear. He wants you to walk in His peace and His joy and trusting Him even in the middle of trials and heartache. Even in the middle of difficult times. Fear is not from God. People ask me sometimes because everybody wants my opinion on things that they know they shouldn't do. <clears throat> they say, Pastor, um, should I go watch this horror movie or this scary movie? Here's what I tell them. I said, the Bible says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, so why do you want to open up your life to it and give it to yourself? Oh, it got real quiet in here. Oh, I like to be scared. Do you? You like to entertain the spirit of fear? God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. Why do you want to give it to yourself? Why do you want to go playing around in the devil's candy box and in his toy box trying to mess around with something that God's delivered you from? God has delivered you from fear because fear would love to dominate and dictate and destroy your life. But God says, no, I've already won the victory. Matter of fact, the worst thing that could happen to you and me is that we would die. Worst thing on the planet that would happen to you and me is that we would die. But what did God say? Death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? So in other words, the worst thing that could happen to you and me, we're not even supposed to be afraid of that. We're not supposed to be afraid of death because God has won the victory over death and we're going to live forever with Him. And I can have peace because God's got me. Amen? Look at somebody and say, God's got me. You see, fear is not from God. God does not want our lives dictated and ruled by fear. That means intimidation, worry, panic attacks, cowardly actions are a result of fear. Personality alterations are a result of fear. Personality alterations, meaning that I change who I am around certain people in order to gain acceptance, you do that because fear has got a hold of your life and you're afraid of rejection. Personality alterations. God says, no, you've been delivered from that. Sleepless nights. Knots in your stomach. Running to binge watch something on Netflix to try to avoid... <laughs> Confronting or dealing with a situation because you're afraid. Trying to doctor everything up with food or with alcohol or with spending money or with something that you want to try to medicate and distract yourself from having to deal with it. Let me tell you something. If you have a leak in your house, in your ceiling, just because you go binge on Netflix does not mean that that leak's going to go away. You may distract yourself and forget that it's there. That's kind of what you try to do. Just trying to distract myself. Trying to make yourself temporarily feel better in the moment. But you could leave your house and go on a shopping spree. I want to forget about that leak. Is the leak going to go away just because you went on a shopping spree? 
No. When you come back, it's still going to be there. Folks, we cannot run away from things that the enemy would want to try to use to intimidate us. Instead, we need to confront them and understand that fear is not of God. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Those people that you alter your personality around. It's time for you to be comfortable in your own skin and be who God has created you to be instead of allowing other people to dictate who you can be. Fear is not from God. Because what fear does is it causes us to focus on ourselves. It makes us turn inward and look to ourselves for the answer, look to ourselves for the comfort, look to ourselves to try to figure it all out. A matter of fact, fear says, you know what? You can fix this problem. You can do this. And we try to figure out how to control the situation. And then when we figure out we can't control the situation, we worry. We may try to manipulate someone. We try to control. We try to manipulate other people by yelling, by pointing fingers, by shifting blame. All these things that we do to try to control, but we can't. And so therefore we're afraid of what's going to happen because I can't control them. You can't control if your boss is having a good day or a bad day. If there was a pill that would make your boss have a good day every day, you would buy it for him and make sure he had full supply. (laughs) If there was a pill that made your husband or wife happy every day and made your kids super obedient every day, you, man, man, we we would be an idiot not to invest in that right now. But there's no way we can control the actions of another. There's no way that we can manipulate circumstances. We try. Man, we try. And it makes us look really, really, really foolish when we try. Because God is going, why don't you just instead trust me and rest instead of trying to operate out of fear? Because really that fear is a lack of control. Matter of fact, a lot of people who are very angry, they're very fearful people because they want control. They're afraid of not having control, and so they use fear to try to maintain control. And so they use anger to try to intimidate in order to try to maintain control, but they're fearful people themselves. They're wounded at their core. And God is saying, this is not how I want my people to operate. This is not how I want them to live their lives because I haven't given them this spirit. It's not from me. If it's not from God, guess what? I don't want it. Amen, somebody? If it's not from God, then I don't want it. If fear is not from the Lord, I don't want it. Because this thing causes me to focus on myself and makes things all about me and it distracts me from God. Just like when we sing about God, you know, we want more of you or God become bigger in my life. God is who He is. He's the size that He is, okay? He's not going to get bigger. He's not going to get smaller. God doesn't have to worry about going to the gym in order to maintain His physique, God is who He is. Amen? Amen. God is as big as He is. He's not going to grow in love towards you. He's not going to grow in forgiving you. He's not going to grow in His grace towards you. That is as big as it's going to get. Amen? And here's the thing about it. If God's not going to grow in it, then what has to grow? God or me? What do I grow in? I grow in understanding it. I grow in receiving it. It's always there. The forgiveness is there. I just have to grow in receiving it and understanding it. The grace is there. I just have to grow in understanding it and receiving it. The love is there. I just have to grow in understanding it and receiving it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 John, if you'd pull it up, 1 John 4. 
in verse 18. There is no fear in what? I'll say it loud, say it proud. There's no fear in what? But perfect what? Cast out all fear. Amen? Amen. Because fear involves torment. Wouldn't you agree? But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, is your love and my love, is that perfect love? No, we got iffy love, don't we? Our love is all kind of iffy. It's iffy because it's conditional most of the time. Most of our understanding of love, especially interacting with one another, is based on how you treat me. And if you do what I want you to do, you offend me, all of a sudden I am not going to be very loving towards you. That's how human begin to act. That's why our love is not perfect. That's why we can't count on our love. That's why our love does not cast out all fear because our love is not perfect. So I need to grow in understanding the love of God because His love is perfect and perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? For us to truly hammer out fear, for us to truly move forward in growing in freedom from fear because God's already given you as much freedom as He's going to give you. He's already won as much of the victory as he can win. You and I need to grow in understanding it and receiving it. And we do that by pursuing the character of Jesus Christ. Because the more we pursue the character of Jesus Christ, that's going to hammer out fear in our lives. Let's look at the book of Romans and the fifth chapter. Romans 5 is going to help us understand this a little bit more. Romans 5 and verse 3 says this, And not only that, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character gives us hope. Now, hope doesn't disappoint because the what? Love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Here we see that Paul is trying to help us understand it is the character of God on the inside of us that helps us to hammer out fear, that helps us to walk in the victory that He's given us. He didn't say that Christianity was going to be persecution and tribulation and trial free, did He? He didn't say, come down to the altar, give your life to Jesus, and all your problems will vanish. Has anybody found that type of Christianity, the one where all your problems vanish after you become a believer? No. Jesus said, in this world... You are going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You see, it's Jesus' victory. It's His character. And when I begin to know the character of God, then all of a sudden, my value system begins to change. When I know what God values and I know what's important to Him, it begins to develop something on the inside of me and that thing it develops is trust. The deeper my level of trust is with God because I know His character and the more I'm living that character, the more that when situations come up, because they will and they do come up, amen, that character of God begins to come out of me because I know Him. Because I know He's worthy to be trusted. I know that he's going to see me through. I'm fearful when I don't know if it's going to work out the way I want it to. You think God is biting his fingernails watching us do this journey? No, not at all, because that's not his character. That's not his nature. He says, why don't instead you go through this trial, go through this tribulation, go through this difficult season in life, but why don't you get to know me more? 
get to know my character more, build your trust in me more, and get to a place where you say, you know what, if God is for me, who could be against me? And it's more than just words, you actually believe it, amen? The more of those things that you go through and you see the faithfulness of God at work in your life, then all of a sudden a new trial comes up and you go, well, here I am in this season of a trial or a tribulation, but I remember the character of God because he's seen me through so much more. Amen? And if he has brought me this far, then he's not going to give up on me right now, is he? He's not going to throw his hands up in the air and say, well, I'm sorry, you're on your own now. No, he's never going to leave me or forsake me. I need to remind myself of that. That doesn't change the character of God. It changes my understanding and my perception of the character of God, which develops his character on the inside of me because it causes me to persevere. Because I go, you know what? I'm not giving up on this. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up with my kids. I'm not giving up at this job. I'm not giving up in this area of my life or that area of my life. I keep on moving forward and persevering because I'm going to do the God-honoring thing in the midst of the trial and the tribulation. And then when I step out of that thing, I am stronger and there has been more of the character of God developed and ingrained in the very core of who I am. So when the next time something comes up, I can go... I can look back and see the faithfulness of God. I can look back and see the hand of God in my life. Because what does that character in my life produce? What did Paul say character produces? Hope. It gives me hope. Because I can remember that God is for me and not against me. That I can remember that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. That I can remember that when the enemy wants to come in my life like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. That I can remember that I am loved and valued by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because when I feel valued, what happens? I feel secure. I feel safe when I know that I'm worth something. When I feel afraid is when I don't feel like anyone is looking at me or anyone thinks I matter. I'm afraid that, oh no, do I matter anymore? Is anyone watching? Because I'm really scared right now. I've got everybody else fooled, but on the inside, I'm deathly afraid of what's going to happen. I got a doctor's report, or I don't know what he's going to do or she's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow at work when I walk into that meeting. And we live our lives so in just, just trapped in fear. And God is saying, no, 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 you're valuable. I see you is what he's saying. I see you. And I not only see you, but I care about what you're going through. If we believed that, then we need to act out of that belief. Amen? Amen. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I said if we believe that, we need to act out of that belief. Amen? Amen? If I believe that I'm valuable to God, I need to act like I'm worth something. I need to act like I am cared for and that whatever the enemy wants to bring my way, that my God cares for me and because he cares for me, he's going to see me through because I'm in this tribulation, but I'm going to persevere and develop that character of Christ in my life. That's my hope. That's my salvation when I'm trusting in him and not myself. And I go, he's going to see me through because his perfect love shed abroad in my heart. And I've received that love and perfect love casts out all fear. And then we begin to pick up our hammer. And our hammer 
then becomes this Word of God that we not only know in our heads, but then we actually begin to speak. In Isaiah 41 and verse 10, we begin to say, Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. That right hand is the hand that represents authority. The authority over the works of the enemy. The authority over the fear that the enemy would want to try to keep you in bondage over. Fear not, for God is with me. I'm not dismayed because He's my God. And then I take this hammer and I begin to knock down the walls of fear that have been built in my life. I grew up an afraid kid. I was scared as a kid. I don't know why, but I just grew up in an afraid type situation where I was always afraid. If my mom uh, went in the grocery store and I was in the car with my dad, I was wondering, is my mom going to come back out? I I remember laying awake at night listening to my parents have conversation in the living room because it comforted me knowing that they were awake. Having the nightlight on as a kid. And then that that turned into a different kind of fear when I was older. It turned into being afraid of what somebody else thought about me. Needing to please someone. Needing to always try to earn their approval. Needing to always try to really, really impress them. So that they would like me. So that I would be accepted because I was so afraid of being rejected. I remember my first boss and how I just pretty much let him just completely intimidate me. Because I was so open to that and so wounded from that. And the reason I think that these things happen in our life is because we believe a lie. We believe a lie that we're not valued. That somehow, in some way, we have to do something for other people or to other people so they'll know that we matter and that we're here. But God says, no, 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 no. Fear not, I am with you. And when I remind myself of who I am in Christ... It's like me taking that word of God and taking the sledgehammer and knocking down those things that have been built in my life. Knocking down that junk that has been built up from my childhood. That has been built up from the fear of maybe my parents divorcing. Or maybe the fear of someone dying. Or maybe the fear of someone not treating me like I was worth something. And all those fears have been built up. But I take this hammer of the word of God. And I speak the truth over myself. And it's like knocking those things down and reminding myself of who I am. I heard a song the other day that just punched me in the face. Man, I loved it. I cried like a baby. I cried and cried and cried. And I listened to it again and again and again. I listened to it probably 20 or 30 times. It's a song by Bethel. It's called No Longer Slaves. And you betcha we're going to do that at Word of Grace because this is rock and roll. This song is awesome. And the words, the words go like this. Maybe you've heard it. It's called No Longer Slaves by Bethel if you want to look it up. The words say, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. And they sing that over and over again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. But I am a child of God. Whew! I started bawling like a baby. And then I hit replay, and then I bawled again. And then the bridge of the song says, You split the sea so I could walk right through it. You drowned my fear with perfect love. You've rescued me so I could stand and say, I am a child of God. I began to think about Charlton Heston in that moment. Things that make you think about Charlton Heston. This song's one. Because I thought about the old school movie, The Ten Commandments. 
And you remember he played Moses. And Moses is at the edge of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army, they're coming behind. And then he stands there. And God parts the Red Sea. And they walk across on dry ground. But here comes Pharaoh's army. As soon as the last Israelite steps out from the bank of the Red Sea, what happens to Pharaoh's army who is already in that same path? The waters go completely on that army that was trying to kill them, that was trying to intimidate them, that was creating more and more fear. Could you imagine the closer and closer that the army would get, that the beat of the, the, the horse hooves was just causing these children to go, oh my goodness. But they had no need to fear because God was for them and He was letting them know that they are His special people and that they are His children. And so He said, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. You drown my fear in what? Perfect love. That's how my fear was drowned, by the perfect love of God. Because that perfect love says you are valuable. That perfect love says you are valuable. Man, I listened to this song 30 times. I, I took my kids to school and I put that song on. I Bluetoothed it on my phone and I had it playing through my radio. And I was like, kids are taking them to school. I am a child of God. And I'm taking my kids to school and my, my son says, Daddy, can we listen to what does the fox say? And I said, no, we can't listen to what. Can't you see? I'm all like, I am a child of God. And he's like, we want to hear what's fine. Okay, fine. And so we're like, ding, 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 ding. And we're listening to what the fox say. And then as soon as my kids go, school, bye kids, I love you. I am a child of God. I mean, it was just this awesome moment. I was like, I paused to give my kids their little, you know, few minutes with what did the fox say? But man, I'm telling you, it's a reminder. I find myself singing that song just, just, just even just in my, in my mind, just, just quietly, you know, just to myself when I would be in a situation. Man, I am a child of God. What am I doing? I'm reminding myself of who I am. I'm reminding myself that I am valuable. Amen? Here's the thing that you and I need to remember. You have nothing to fear because you are valued by God. Oh, somebody. I'm going to say it slow so I can say it some more. Listen up. You, say I. Come on. I, I have nothing to fear because I'm valued by God. Amen, somebody. Fear is a lie from the enemy that we have chosen to believe. And the only, fear, the only power fear has is the power we give it when we believe the lie. That's when fear has power, when we believe it. What if we believed that we were valued by God as much as we believed that we're not going to make it this month? Hello, somebody. What if we believed that we were valued by God just as much as we believed that there was no hope for our marriage? What if we believed we were valued by God as much as sometimes we believe that I'll never be happy or I'll never be at peace or I'll never be able to forgive them? What if we believed we were valuable as much as we believe those things? The problem is we're believing the wrong stuff. We're believing the wrong stuff. We put too much faith in the wrong stuff. You see, God loves you. God cares about you. God values you. He's worthy to be trusted. You are a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And every time you say that, you're taking this hammer and you are knocking down the walls that have been hindering you from moving forward over and over and over again. I am free. I am loved. I am valued. I'm a son and daughter of the Most High. He cares about me. He loves me just as I am. Amen? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes things that are good and true are hard to believe because we're so accustomed to negative things. doesn't change the fact that it's true. You have nothing to fear because you're valued by God. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.